Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 300 of the Juice Box Podcast. It's kind of a cool little, um, what do we call that when you reach a point? It's um, a milestone, isn't it? Yeah, that's what they call that. It's a bit of a milestone. I don't know if it means anything, but it's cool. 300 episodes is a, is a bit of a milestone. Would you like to help me celebrate 300? Here's how you could. You guys are like, oh, God, he's going to ask us or something. You're right, I am. A number of you, when asked what your favorite episode of the podcast is or who some of your favorite guests are, a lot of people say Sam Fold, the former Major League Baseball player who's been on twice now and has type 1 diabetes himself. Well, Sam does a sports camp every year for kids with type 1 diabetes, and he's running a GoFundMe right now to help pay for the camp for these kids. Now, the camp happens on February 8th, so it's coming up really quickly. And any money that Sam can collect to help put this camp on would be a big deal. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes that you can click on to. It's charity.gofundme, but it'll take you right to Sam's page. And if you can throw in a couple of bucks, anything you can, to help Sam continue to work with kids with type 1 diabetes, that would be terrific. So perhaps you're very excited about the podcast reaching 300 or something else going on in your life and you need a way to celebrate or you found like uh, four or five bucks in the cushions of your chair or something like that. And you're like, oh, it's found money. I wonder what I'll do with it. You said, well, I'll probably buy like a bag of Rolos or something. Don't buy a bag of Rolos. Give it to Sam. Let him help kids have a great time. All right. Thanks for considering that. And now let's get to the show. I'll play some music and then I'll tell you more. On this, the 300th episode of the Juice Box Podcast, I will be speaking with a lovely person who has diabetes, whose husband has diabetes, and whose child has diabetes. Am I, um, what are you thinking right now? You're like, whoa, that's three people. You're right. Your math is rock solid. All you need to do while you're listening is remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Also, I have some events coming up in Dallas, Wisconsin, and Atlanta very soon. Go to juiceboxpodcast.com, scroll to the bottom, click on events to find out more. There are still tickets available to each of the events. Let's strap in, get ready to talk to Syra about her life with type 1 diabetes. As a person living with type 1, the spouse of someone who has type 1, and the mother of someone who has type 1 diabetes. Right now, I can feel you thinking, oh my god, there's no ads. This is great. No, there's ads. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored proudly by Dexcom, Omnipod, and Dancing for Diabetes. But do we call them Dancing for Diabetes anymore? Or do we say touchedbytype1.org? Hmm? Think about it. It's touchedbytype1.org. Don't forget that Omnipod makes the world's only tubeless insulin pump. The insulin pump that my daughter has been using since she was four and she's 15. So if you can do the math, that's a long time. And of course, Dexcom, makers of the G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Find out which way your blood sugar is moving and how fast with the Dexcom. G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Find out more about all the sponsors. You can find links in your podcast app right in the show notes. You can go to juiceboxpodcast.com 
or you can type in these addresses, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, or touchedbytype1.org. My name is Syra Gallo, and I have been living with type 1 for 25 plus years in multiple capacities, including myself, my husband, and our older daughter, Isla. Okay, so let's start slow. Um, there's an I in your name, and you seem to be pronouncing it. So go slow and tell me one more time. Like this, the whole intro. No, 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 no. Your name is it? You don't say. You don't say Sarah. You say no. It's Syra. Syra, got it. Like Syra with an S. Got it. I'm good. I just didn't want to like through the entire thing because you don't know me well, Syra. But I will just say Sarah over and over again, and and I don't want you to be on the other side going, "That's not my name." Uh, No, I would. I would stop you. Like. Please say my name right. Um, at least on a podcast. Anywhere else, if I just met you in person, I'd be like, it's fine, whatever. But, so, um, so sort yeah. of sigh, like, oh, uh, mm-hmm. sigh and exactly. rock. I got exactly. it. Okay, now we all know. And um, I'm going to butcher it with my my Northeast accent at some point, uh, which I didn't realize I had till I had a podcast. And then people started <laughs> telling me, oh, my God, you talk just like me. And I was like, I, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you said a lot in a very short amount of time. You've been living with IVs in a lot of different capacities. So let's start with you because you've known you longest. Um, do you have type 1? I do. I was diagnosed um, in third grade. And um, yeah, so it was a little about 20, actually 23 years ago. Okay, okay. 26. 23 years ago, you're in third grade. Do you remember anything about that time at all? Um, yeah, actually, I remember a decent amount, and um, actually, it was fourth grade, sorry. Um, <laughs> By the way, all that's staying in the podcast, because you said you that's remembered, but then you said the wrong grade, so, do, I, so listen, so everyone I, listening now, this is probably just fan fiction about Cyrus, the diagnosis okay <laughs> this is the best she can recall uh but honestly I, th- I was sitting here thinking i could just leave it at third grade but then i was like my mom's gonna listen she's like no it was fourth grade oh my god you do not Sorry, need to mom. let your mom down exactly all right so i i think it makes her feel better that i was older than i than if i say i was younger does like yeah nobody <laughs> wants their kid to be younger than they really were when they were diagnosed okay so okay so fourth grade which i had a Terrible fourth grade experience. So I bet you mine, even I though I bet you mine was worse. Probably not. I was going to say, I bet you mine's not as bad as yours because I didn't end up with diabetes when it was over. But I did have a really horrible teacher who didn't seem to like me. But that's neither here nor there. So you're diagnosed during the school year? Yes. Um, so I was actually misdiagnosed a handful of times. I remember going to the doctors for a lot that year. And um, I was living in Pakistan at the time. That's where my family is originally from. And the doctor told my mom that I was just that I just didn't like school. And I was trying to make excuses and to send me back. Um, yeah. So it wasn't until I went into DK that they figured it out and um, was in the hospital. And I was I think I was there for at least a week. And um, I remember the thing I was most upset about when I like woke up and you know, they, they told me, Hey, you have, you have type one diabetes. Um, they told me I couldn't eat grapes. And like, that was my absolute favorite thing in the world. I was like obsessed with grapes and they're like, you can never eat grapes again. And I just started bawling. Like, that's what got me upset. I didn't care about shots. I didn't care about anything. I was like, I can never eat grapes again. Like, that's what. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
So, by the way, red grapes or green? What do you prefer? Red. Oh, very nice. And and I did you get to see the doctor again who told you you were just didn't like school and you were faking because faking DKA is like well, next level acting. Like him, but that doesn't that's not really a thing you do. Um so yeah, definitely definitely never saw him again. Excellent. But I think I would I would I would recognize him if I saw him, I think. As as the dumbest person you've ever met in your life. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, you were you were totally wrong. That's something. Um, That's really yeah. crazy. I I don't even understand why that would be, with why that would jump into someone's mind. Like, were you like a malcontent in other ways? No, I was a perfectly happy child. Okay. I had lots of friends. Like, there was I wasn't like this moody kid that yeah. like you weren't like lighting like, a cat on fire and saying you didn't feel well. Like it was just yeah. yeah yeah. By the way, I don't know why that jumped into my head. I've never thought of hurting an animal before. But anyway, I guess that's my I guess that's the back of my dark mind's idea of what malcontent children think to do. Uh, anyway, please uh, public service announcement: don't harm animals of any kind. Uh, so okay, so you go in. You've been you know misdiagnosed, pushed off a little bit. You go in there. And then you finally find somebody, I guess, to tell you you had type 1, or did it not even go that easily? Um, I mean, like I said, I was was DKA. I was unconscious when they took me to the hospital, and um, that was how they figured it out. The the primary care doctor was, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. But then when I passed out and they took me to the hospital, like, yeah, there's definitely something wrong with her. That's amazing. Um, And they knew to check my blood sugar, but the, the family care guy did not. Because you were unconscious and they figured maybe this is not, you know, oh my gosh. All right. So how is life with type one diabetes growing up then? Do you um, ease into it? Is it rough for you? Are your parents involved? Do they kind of leave it on you? How did it all go? So it was really hard for me in the beginning. Um, Like I said, I was living in Foxconn and I had to switch schools because um, the kids thought I was contagious. And, um, and even then after I switched, it was still like, there's a lot of stigma attached to diabetes in the developing world in general. And so in Boxon, especially back in, in, you know, 93 is when I was diagnosed, um, or sorry, I I obviously have bad memory. The numbers I'm giving are all wrong, but whatever (laughs) year it was when I was in fourth grade, 96, that's what it was. I'm having such Um, a good time with you, sorry, just, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 93 is a year my sister was born. That's what I was thinking. 96 is when I was diagnosed. And, um, yeah, so it was just, it was, there weren't a lot of people with type one around there and not a lot of people knew about it. And then, like I said, there's, there's just a stigma associated with anything being wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Um, regardless of what it is, um, it was like, you don't talk about it. And, um, unfortunately with type one, especially as a kid, it's not something you can't talk about. And, um, you know, going through, I, as you, as anybody knows, and you speak to a lot of families that are, you know, within the first year of being diagnosed, there's a lot to learn. And, um, so I was, I was low a lot. And so I had to leave class a lot. And, um, a lot of the kids used to make fun of me and be like, oh, she's just making excuses to get out of class. And, um, I remember like teachers yelling at me, like, why are you sleeping in class? And it was like, I'm not sleeping. I'm, I'm low. And it was like, um, it was, it took a lot to kind of get over that. Um, and I didn't actually honestly realize that like it had impacted me the way it did until after I met my husband. Um, like it was just, I, I turned into this like, Oh, because all these people are always telling me like, 
that's the girl with the problem. I, I think I tried to hide that I had it. And um, in high school, it was to the point where like friends didn't even know I had type one. And I was proud of that. It was like, yes, they have like really good friends who don't even know that I'm living with this. Like that was a badge of honor for me. No kidding. That you were able to keep it from people. And what, yeah, what, was, what was the impact on you, I guess, two ways from keeping it, keeping it from people, was there an impact psychologically and was there an impact medically? Like, were there things you didn't do because you didn't want people to see? Yes. Um, so that didn't start until high school when like, you're at that point where you just want to be normal. You don't want to be this kid that's doing anything differently. Um, so I think it was really my sophomore year, honestly, and this is something I've never talked about, but I, um, I went through, like, that's when my, my diabulimia started. And essentially I, um, I was going through puberty. So it was like, taking care of your blood sugars is really hard. This is pre loop days. This is like pre anyone else helping you figure it out. Mm-hmm. I was still on MDI back then. Um, I, I say it was Lantus by then. And, um, either way, it was still, it was still a lot harder to like be in control at that point. Yeah. And, um, I remember like a couple of times, my mom is very, I absolutely love her, but, um, she was, she was always like, if I was ever high, it was like, why are you high? Or why did this go wrong? And again, as like a 14 year old and a 15 year old that like, doesn't really want to have to spend that much time thinking about diabetes at a time where it took a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of got to the point where I was like, F this, if it's not in control, even though I'm trying, I'm going to be out of control because I chose it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah that was like my reaction to it. Um, so that was kind of how I managed to hide it. Cause I just didn't, I just didn't do what I needed to. I didn't take shots that often. I would skip doses a lot. Um, and yeah, that was kind of like my way of dealing with it where yeah. it's like, oh, I, I can't, I can't figure out how to take care of like be in control. So I'm just not going to. So I'll be in control of the out of control part. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. That's really, I'm, not surprising, honestly. Um, how long did that go on for? Way we- longer than I would have liked. Probably a good 10 years. 10 years. Um, and then it, it wasn't until I met my husband that that kind of like really stopped. So um, I would go on and off with yeah. like, I'd be good for a couple of months, but then I would like, it would get hard again. And it was like, forget this. I'm yeah. not going to do it. Uh, so, I'm interested. You met your husband and was it his support that helped or was it like, there's so many people who come on here who seem to indicate that when someone else in their life appears that they love and care about, they suddenly want to do better for themselves. Sometimes it's having a child. Sometimes it's falling in love. It's really interesting and so common that I think it's a, it's a rule at this point. People who struggle mm-hmm. with their diabetes meet somebody they love and all of a sudden they, I don't know what it is. I don't want to oversimplify it and say it's a reason to live, but it's, um, it happens a lot. And I was wondering how it happened to you. So for me, it was a little bit more of like, oh, he can do it. And diabetes seems so easy for him. Like it was not this struggle. He had a very, very different story and diagnosis and everything, but, um, it was like, Hey, if, if he can do it, I don't, why, why is this so hard for me? Kind of a thing. So that was like one of the motivations. And then, um, you know, there's something to be said about like someone else doing things differently. So like if he was high, he was like, oh, I can't eat that right now. And I'd be like, Oh, and that's perfectly okay. Like he was just 
he's always been unashamedly diabetic. Like if he's going to stop what he's doing, that's what he's doing. And he's like, I don't understand why the world can't get on board with that. Like to him, this is, this is what it is. And it's, he's not going to try and pretend that things are different. Um, so he needs help. He needs help. And that's it. Right. Um, so that was, that was really helpful for me to see, like people still love him. Nobody has any issues with him even though he will stop whatever he's doing when he's low, he'll literally stop people mid conversation and be like, I'm really sorry. I got to eat something. Or like while they're talking, he'll just grab something out of his bag and start eating. And it These doesn't things you wouldn't anybody. Have done. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas for me, I'd be like, well, how, how come you didn't like just wait till later? Or like, uh, it, it was just, it was just something I, I had never, I never done it that way. I don't know what you're doing right this second besides listening to the podcast. Like you're not just listening to the podcast sitting down. You're doing something else. When you're done that something else, I want you to run. Be safe, but run to a computer. Click on my link or type in the words myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. And I want you to get an absolutely free 100% no obligation Omnipod demo sent to you right now. When it arrives, there'll be an explosion of excitement in your home. You'll be like, oh, look what we have. Omnipod demo. What will we do with it? Well, what you'll do with it is you'll put it on. Either yourself or the person with diabetes. You'll find a place. You'll think, this is where I will one day wear my Omnipod. Slap it on there. And then you go about your life. So that you can see what it would be like to wear an Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. No tubing, no connection to something else, just this little thing. It's just, it's hard to put in words. That's why you need a demo so you can see it. Little, tiny, stick it on, holds the insulin inside. Now, one day you'll have it for real, you know, and you'll need to tell it what to do. So they just give you this little thing. It's like a little diabetes manager with the Omnipod dash. It looks just like a little Android phone, right? You tell the, you push on the buttons. You go, hey, I'm going to have a unit of insulin here. Push. And then wirelessly, it tells the pump, like, now, put the insulin in. And it does it. It's magic. It's not really magic. It's, you know, it's like Bluetooth, which is kind of magical when you think about it. You touch something across the room and something on the other side of the room does something. It's magical. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. So the links in your show notes are the ones you'll find at juiceboxpodcast.com. Don't forget when you're looking through those show notes and those links, check out Sam Fold Sports Camp. Do me a solid, huh? Do Sam a solid. He's been a great guest on the show twice now. Maybe we can get him to come back. Yeah. Well, you um, bumped into you bumped into the wrong people in the beginning, yeah. right? Like, and that stuck with me. So random, too. That just you get diagnosed and you're around some people who are like, "Oh, she's contagious," and then the you move to a different school, which is running away. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, "Oh, these people are bothering me. I'll run over here." And now you've taught yourself when I have trouble with diabetes, what I should do is leave the place that's giving me the problem. And then it, then that builds, you know, it builds and builds and builds. And then your mom gives you a problem and you ran away, you know, you ran away from that. She's like, why is your blood sugar high? And you're like, uh, 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 I'll just do the opposite. Like I'll go, I'll move away from, like you kept moving away from conflict, I guess. If that, if that, I mean, I mean, if I'm reading it correctly from your conversation, it's, it's, um, it's completely understandable. It's just, it's just, did it start? Like, what if you would have been diagnosed around 10, like local kids who were like, 
Sire, it's okay. We love you. We've got this. We'll help you. Like, would that have just changed everything? You know what I mean? Sure, it would have. I have no idea what the trajectory of my life would have looked like in that case. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot. And I think that's, that gets into, like, how differently I parent Isla versus my husband because of, like, me having the lens of what I went through and him having the lens of what he went through, obviously. So it's just, it's, it helps put us into the perspective of, like, your story isn't her story for both of us. Um, whereas if it had been just me, I would have been like, this is what type one looks like for children. And cause that's what it was for me. And having him, I can easily say like, that's not the case. And I don't have to project my experience on that. Yeah. Listen, that's, that's how generations are supposed to work, right? You're supposed to figure something out and then your kids supposed to get to start on your shoulders, not in a hole. Right. So yeah. we all just keep lifting each other up until, one day, one of our kids is going to be able to fly. That's what I'm assuming. Um, that's a little fanciful, but I'm saying I, we, you know, I have parents who were blue collar, hardworking people. They didn't have many expectations for themselves, and um, but they gave me the idea that there could be more for me, and so I went out and found more. And now my kids get to start with the idea that not that there can be more for you, but that more already exists, and it's theirs for the taking. Which is, which is differently than I thought of it. I thought of it as something I had to go get. And now they just think of it as something they have that they're just trying to hold on to or make better. And so your idea of diabetes started where it did. You met a guy who had a completely different aspect, uh, you know, a completely different upbringing. His perspective was different. You guys blended that together. And now you're going to, your daughter starts on your shoulders. You know what I mean? So it's really wonder. It's beautiful, really. It sucks for you personally, um, but but it's great for the world and for your daughter um, because like, you know you're putting you're putting better stuff out there than the people who you met. And very likely, when your daughter was diagnosed, she was not surrounded by a bunch of people who were just like pointing at her and trying to Definitely burn her not. at a witch trial. You know what I mean? So yeah, I've 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 tried really hard to make sure that diabetes is extremely normalized for her to the point where she thinks that wearing an insulin pump is just as common as wearing glasses. Um, which I think is, is something all kids should see. And we talk about it in the context, especially of type one, but in the context of any kind of difference, whether it's, you know, kids that are in wheelchairs versus whatever it is, be like, you know, being different is just, that's all it is. People have different skin colors, people like different people's bodies need help with different things kind of a thing. And, um, I didn't have that growing up. Well, whatever your thing is, is your thing. It doesn't, I mean, to be, to be disappointed in who you are is sad to begin with, but then to want to hide it is, I don't know. And it's funny too, because as you and I are talking, you're a completely reasonable, thoughtful, intelligent person. And, and yet that pressure was enough to, to push you in that direction, which I just think indicates how easily that kind of wrong exterior force can, can move somebody, especially when they're a child, you know? Yeah. So what was your husband's secret? Did he, was he like, did he grow up with parents who were just like, whatever, don't worry about it. Keep going. Or what was their vibe? Do you know even? Um, I mean, he was diagnosed a little bit earlier. So I think there's a little bit to be said about that. He was, um, a little over 10 and, um, it was like at a routine checkup and, um, the way, his mom approached it was like, she literally made it this game when she went to school um, for the kids where they were like excited to learn about type one and um, 
they got to win getting their blood sugars checked, if they got answers about diabetes right, and um, like she went in and talked to the school about it and stuff. And I think a lot of it is just where he was as well versus like the stigma and the community I was in and a little bit of it having to do with, you know, the way his mom handled it as well. I think she did do a great job at that where, you know, um, it was just, this is what it is. And the other kids were like, oh, that's cool. All right. That's it. You know, like his friends would go to like the JDRF walks with him every summer or not summer, but whenever it was back home. And um, yeah, that was just, it was always just something that was, that was normal and it was okay. And it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. And then in all honesty, his control has always been different. Um, I have always been told that I'm a brittle diabetic. So it's just, it, it was just harder for me to do things. And even before um, I started looping, my husband and I are totally different people. We do very similar things. The amount of effort he put into his diabetes would be you know, at a certain level. But if I put in the same amount of effort, my blood sugars would have been all over the place. So it just, it's always been harder for me to be at the same level as control for him, if okay. that makes sense. So no, like it, it took less work for him. Yeah. No, I mean, let's just come out and say it. Your husband got easier set of diabetes than you did, and he sucks. I get you. I hear exactly <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> he can, he can, um, he can chirp all he wants about how well he's doing, but he got the easier one, and that's that. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so it's funny because the term brittle strikes me wrong. I don't love it. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Love it. And 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 at the same time, I don't know. I mean, I'm not arguing with anybody who thinks that. I just there's it to me. It's always about insulin. And I actually, I actually agree. I don't think brittle diabetic is actually a thing. I think it's more like you haven't figured out the way to manage your diabetes in the best way possible. And just because this is what works for him is it doesn't mean that's what works for you. And so he happened to work with the standard procedures that were prescribed, right? right like right. this is how you do it. This is how you carb count. This is what you do. And it worked for him. Yeah. And that that's kind of how it's always been taught. Like there's a certain way that you handle type one across the board versus, Hey, there's, other dynamic ways of doing it, whether it's, you know, how you talk about being bold with insulin or whatever else it is. Um, and I think that that's what it was. It was like what everyone else is doing isn't working for you. So you're brittle. There's something wrong with you versus like, there's something wrong with the way we're managing you. Don't forget to check out touched by type one.org. The next time you get a chance, you're on your phone, you're a little bored. You type it in touched by type one.org. Take a look around. Same thing. If you're at the home, you know what I mean? You've kind of clicked through Facebook one too many times, and you're like, ugh, I'm too tired to get up, too bored to keep looking at Facebook. Check out touchedbytype1.org. That way you can remain lazy and sedentary and still do something different, new, and fun. I remember a time when I would give my daughter insulin. I'd count carbs, I'd give her some insulin, I'd wait three hours, and test her blood sugar. And her blood sugar would inevitably be really high or really low and then I'd give her food if she was low or more insulin if she was high and more often than not she was high and there was another meal coming and oh just was terrible and then one day Arden got a Dexcom continuous glucose monitor and all of that changed all of it because now suddenly we could see the direction and speed that Arden's blood sugar was moving in and we could sort of readdress our insulin decisions if they weren't right now, sometimes, you know, like a couple hours after a meal, you're still like 180, it won't budge. Well, instead of staring at it and watching it go up and up, we address it with insulin and get it back down safely. And we do that with comfort 
because we can see Arden's blood sugar in real time. And of course, Dexcom has user definable alarms that I can set to give me a little like, hey, yo, you might be moving a little quicker than you think, or got a little higher than you wanted to, a little lower, etc." And so Arden's blood sugar really never leaves a range that we've preset without us knowing. And that allows us to readdress with insulin or with carbs, and that helps contain her blood sugar in one sort of stable place. So instead of staring and wondering and waiting to test, we can look and see and know and feel comforted and decide. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, or please use the links in your show notes or the ones you'll find at juiceboxpodcast.com to find out more about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor today. I promise you will not be disappointed. That's what it was. It was like what everyone else is doing isn't working for you. So you're brittle. There's something wrong with you versus like there's something wrong with the way we're managing you. Instead of hitting the first roadblock and saying, look, here's the rules, you know, the, the, the perceived rules at that time for diabetes. Oh, they didn't work for me. Oh, well, you, it just doesn't work then. You're broken somehow. Like the, what a fascinating leap. And how do people even get out of med school thinking like that? You, you, you know, like, like why, why wouldn't your thought be, okay, well, that didn't work for you. I wonder what would not, not just suddenly like, because how do people not look back, especially doctors and say, Hey, look, the, what we're teaching right now today, isn't the same as what we were teaching three years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. And it won't be the same thing we're teaching next year. So why don't we look at the fact that maybe the person just needs more personalized care. And and it's a really fascinating because look what it, look what it did to you. Like, again, someone was like, look, do this. You did it. It didn't work. And you're like, well, see, it doesn't work. That's it. Instead, you're termed as a brittle or non-compliant patient. Right away. Like, yeah. Instead of like just somebody who needs a little more help it, it, or, or, you know, the tools don't work the same for them or whatever it ends up being. It's just, oh, it's, it's really infuriating. Honestly, you're going to get me upset if we keep talking about it. So we're going to move <laughs> past that now. Okay. Um, and I won't ask you any more questions about dates or times because I, I realize your recollection <laughs> is, is, is. I have two young children coming from back. <laughs> so listen. You said you went about a decade with, you know, not really caring for yourself mm-hmm. the way you hoped to. Are you having any side effects from that decade or are you doing okay? Thankfully, I'm extremely lucky in that I have no side effects. Um, done, you know, all my routine blood work and eye checkups and everything. And we have no side effects that we that we know of yet. Um, I'm honestly in the back of my head. I'm always wondering, like, did I do anything that's going to hit me later? Yeah. Um, and we won't, we won't know. And um, what really pulled me out was more uh, wanting to get pregnant. So like you said, as somebody else that yeah. you cared about being, you know, that, that drive to do better. Um, cause even when, even getting married and being with someone that has type one, um, that, that did a lot help me actually start, you know, whether it's actually testing my blood sugars or, you know, trying to take care of myself, but it wasn't honestly, until I wanted to get pregnant that it was like, all right, you got to really lock down and like care about what your A1C is and really make a, make a change in your management. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then after Isla was diagnosed, it was like, oh, there's no way you're ever going to not be allowed to take care of yourself. Cause what are you going to teach your kid? <laughs> you don't want to be a bad, uh, you don't want to be like the wrong kind of influencer example to her. So you have two yeah. kids, right? Is Isla the younger or older? Isla's the older. She's four years old now, and she was diagnosed when she was 10 months old. Okay. So, I mean, listen, you guys are just, you know, 
you were clearly going to make a baby with type one diabetes. <laughs> just you're like you guys, like your whole house is diabetes. It would be weird. I, I'm assuming that your other child who doesn't have it probably feels left out at this point. She really does. She's the one I worry about more because um, honestly, we do a lot of like um, diabetes community stuff locally, and so we're we're around other kids with type one pretty often, and just other people in general. And she's um, whenever we do Isla's pod changes, she she always wants a pod. Um, and I'm running out of demo pods <laughs> to put on her. <laughs> That's excellent. So is that something that you're, is that in the front of your head yet? Like, how do I keep her from feeling like she's different? Because, oh, definitely. I, because here's my example for you. Uh, I'm adopted. I've shared that a bunch of times on the mm-hmm. show. I was adopted by very nice, average, blue-collar people. And as I started to get older, it was clear that I thought differently than they did. And so, like, you know, like a problem would come up around the house or, you know, a, a problem with a bill or anything like that. Like something you heard discussed in the house. And my mother and father and my brothers would have this almost instant reaction to something. And they all seemed to match each other. And I was off on the side thinking, like, oh, that's not what I would do in this situation. Or that's not how it strikes me. Or I'm not worried about that because of this. And they they would all get focused on one thing and I would get focused on something different. And it always made me feel weird that I never once just reacted the way they reacted. Like it wasn't my, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't my Mm -hmm. first indication to be like they were. And I don't know what they could have done or not done. Although your husband's mother's example of running headlong into the world being like a one man like, you know diabetes information crew seemed like that worked pretty well, you know? Um, but like, you know, what is it you'll need to do without going so far that your, your other child, you know, your non D one child is, is like, just like, Oh my God, this woman's always covering for me. Cause she thinks I, I can't take that. I don't have diabetes. Like, so there's a line in there obviously, but what do you do? Have you thought about it at all? Is there stuff you're doing now? Um, I mean, honestly, right now she's two years old. Um, so the amount that we, talk about her feelings is limited. Um, her feelings are around the fact that her sister stared at her for too long right now. Um, <laughs> those are the kinds of meltdowns we have. <laughs> so uh, we, we, we are going to be going to um, friends for life this summer for the first time as a, as a family. And um, the one thing that I love about what they offer is like the sibling program. Mm-hmm. And so I know that's something I want to kind of have as an outlet for her to talk to other people who are caregivers of type ones. And then honestly, she will always have my sister to talk to because she, she grew up as like the older sister that has for me, like my older sister had to go on sleepovers with me because this was pre CGM. So it was like, if you go to the house, your sister's going with you to make sure you're alive in the morning kind of a thing. Um, and so she, she told, she gets what it's like to be a caregiver. Um, and, you know, she's taking care of my, my daughter and, um, like Isla, my, my type one daughter, she's, she's, she's been a type one caregiver essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like she'll always have her as someone to talk about and vent about like type one taking over. Cause I know that my older sister had, um, at times where like she, she had to be ignored because something bigger was going on with my type one at that moment. And, um, I know she'll have her as a resource and then just having another thing that we are really big on in our family is just doing, um, what we call special time. So like 
Isla gets time to hang out with just me and hang out with just her dad. And um, same with Inara. She gets time to hang out with both just me and just her dad to kind of be like, okay, we all have relationships outside of just being a family of four. And, um, you know, letting her have that time. Honestly, like, I feel kind of guilty for this sometimes, but like I took Inara to Disneyland once just in her and I was like, I don't have to worry about free bolusing you or about, you know, going low while we're standing in the heat or any of that stuff. And it was like, I felt guilty that it was easier to be with her. Um, and I've always kind of wondered if that's how, it doesn't mean I love her any differently or any more or less than, than I let. It's just a different experience when I'm just with her. And I've always wondered like, how is this how, how my parents felt with me? Yeah. Um, like not that they didn't love being with me, but it's a little bit more to think about when you're with me. No. At least until I started taking care of it myself. I imagine I would, I mean, wondering about that, how does it make you feel like, do you, does it make you feel sad to think that they might've been like, Oh my God, I'm so happy not to be with her right now because it's just easier and I need a break. Or do you see that as just being human and reasonable or does it? I think it's human. It's I, I, if anything, if I wasn't a type one parent, I would maybe think of it differently, but feeling the exact same way myself, I, I get it. I can't blame them and it's totally fine. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I was just, I went away for one night uh, to do a speaking thing recently. And, you know, there's a little dinner at night and people are like, well, what are you going to do now? And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to run upstairs and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't, I'm so excited to go to sleep because I'm going to send my wife a text and be like, hey, good luck. And then I'm going to go shut my eyes. Yeah, basically for nine <laughs> hours in a row. And that that's exactly, it. other people are planning for things and I'm just like, oh. Your lives are way too exciting for me. I, I, I'm seeing some unbroken sleep coming. I got to get going. Um, I get it. Like it just, it is easier. And I have a similar situation. I go away with my son sometimes for baseball stuff and there's less to think about. And there's, it's nice not to think about things sometimes. It's actually, it's not even just going away. It's, you know, I mean, an hour and a half ago, I was running around the house on a phone call with someone taking down you guys really getting a good look into my life, taking down like these little curtains that need to be laundered and I'm putting them in the washing machine. And it just hit me out of nowhere. I'm like, I should look at Arden's blood sugar because it was like 10:45 in the morning and I had not looked at it yet. And I was like, I really should look. So I just kind of whipped out my phone and I'm walking and trying to see what her blood sugar is at the same time. And I thought for a second, other people don't have to do this. Like, that must be nice. And, you know, I, I guess I'll never really know, but it does sound nice. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, and, it, and to your point, it doesn't, it has no impact on how I feel about Arden whatsoever. Uh, it I mean, just, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We still love our children. And in hindsight, we would do it all over again. We would never be like, oh, you know, I, cause I've had a lot of people ask, like, um, if you knew, would you have an, children? Yeah. 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 Uh, I spoke to another mom of a guy with type one the other day and I, I, I straight up was like, I would do it all over again. I wouldn't not have Isla because you told me she was going to have type one. She looked really surprised. And I was like, really? You're, you would, you would say you wouldn't have had your son because he has type one. Like why? (laughs) Especially in hindsight. Um, And what other reasons would you give him away for? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then also, um, I mean, we had some like really, not necessary comments about like, oh, are you guys trying to breed diabetics when we had our second? And it was like, that's not funny. Who said and that to you? 
a person we don't talk to anymore i think a person we don't talk to anymore yeah um oh my god do you think they were trying to be funny or do you i think they were they thought it was funny because they like laughed and you know and i like you could tell on my face like that you didn't find it as amusing (laughs) but i just i just kind of like walked away yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a friend. It was like an acquaintance. So it doesn't matter. I've never seen them again. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's, a, it's 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 interesting what happens when people are trying to be like real quick or off the top of their head or you know what I mean, like flipping or fun, and then they just say something stupid and everyone stares like, oh, geez, I I went too far or I I didn't realize where the line was or something like that. It's very uh, it's very telling. Actually, I'm more interested in the woman who said would you have done this if you knew? Because that's, I mean, I mean, how far into that are we going to get really? Cause my kids are kind of annoying. Like if I knew they were annoying, <laughs> would I not have had them? You know, I mean, I know I look yeah. at my wife sometimes and I realize that she's like, Oh, if I knew all this, I definitely wouldn't have married this guy like that. I can tell, <laughs> you know, like that, that seems obvious to me. Uh, but I don't know. It's such an odd statement. Like I, I, I go back a lot to um Sam Fold was on the show and he's a, a, mm-hmm. well, a coach for the Philadelphia Phillies now but he was on and I and I said to him like something similar like do you, did it ever occur to you not to have more kids because of diabetes and or, or to have kids at all because of type because he's type 1 his kids aren't and it's funny his answer was just so like no of course not because I realized when he said it he has type 1 he has no trouble with it it doesn't cause him he doesn't think of himself differently and because of that, he wouldn't be concerned if he had a child who had it. I was like, oh, it's more about his, it's how he feels about himself, not how he feels about the diabetes. And you know what I mean? Like he doesn't see that mm-hmm. as, a, it's no different than if you were incredibly short. And I said to you, oh, you're thinking of not having kids. So your kids wouldn't be short. Like you would think, well, that doesn't bother me. Like I, I'm fine with my height. So yeah. very, very, very interesting how, how that all goes. Plus. I don't know. I'm looking at your, I have a little picture here for you guys. You're a delightful family. Why would you not want this to exist? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. She's a pretty spunky little girl and I would never, ever change anything about her. Even when she's having meltdowns. (laughs) I'm so delighted at the idea that, that Isla can look at her younger daughter or sister and freak her out by staring at her. Like, is she doing that on purpose? (laughs) Do you think the staring thing? Yeah. Oh. Um, and like I was looking at me and having flashbacks to when I used to do that. Because <laughs> yeah, my oldest you, looking at me and my mother. So what? <laughs> you broke up for a second, but I got it. I got it enough. I'm I'm hearing that you did it with your older sister too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. So all right, uh, let's see. I do have questions. Management ideas. So you were pens for a long time. I'm assuming you went to a pump at some point. Did your I was actually never pens. It was all like straight up syringes. Syringes, no kidding. Okay. So mm-hmm. syringes right from syringes to a pump. Did you have a pump before a CGM? I did. Um so I get a pump until my junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um and then I took a break um for like I wanna say a year. Because um, we lived in Kuwait at the time. It was kind of hard to get supplies. And there was like a couple of different reasons. This was also when I wasn't taking care of myself anyway. So it was like, I didn't want a thing on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started back. I started with Medtronic, what I've always had. Um, that was like the first pump that 
came out and it was like the best at the time. And then um, I've had probably three Medtronic pumps at this point. And um, I got on their first jam when it first came out. I hated it. It was like the worst thing ever. It was always wrong. And so I stopped. I stopped using it. I had a really bad experience with jams, basically. And I was like, no, I don't trust them. They like do worse than, you know, because I'll like treat a low when I'm not low kind of a thing. Um, and then I got on Dexcom when we decided we wanted to get pregnant. And so I wanted, I wanted to get my A1C down. I wanted to know, like, I, I wanted to be in control because, you know, they tell you that you want your A1C a certain amount before you even try to conceive. So, um, yeah. And I've never, never got off of it after that. Nice. Yeah. I, I mean, my understanding of that, that early on Medtronic sensor, the CGM that they had was just that it was. Terrible, oh, terrible in like nine different ways. Awful. Yeah. Uh, I, I think anything that I've heard people describe as a harpoon is something I would try to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was on there the first thing they had where it was like wear it for, I want to say three days, but you couldn't see the readings, but the doctors could like you would, you would take it back to them and they would see what your blood sugars were Yeah, the whole time. I, I, I tried that. Like, you know, they did that in the beginning and then we switched over whatever, whenever they came out with the first one. Um, my dad's always been really big on like the newest diabetes technology. So as soon as like a new pump with a new thing came out, he was always like all about switching to that one, even if it's not what I, what I wanted. Like I'm fine with MDI. And he's like, no, this is better. Um, better. It's better. It. it was just, it was, Oh, here's, there's more tools that we can use to help. Um, so we always tried like the newest thing that came out and yeah, I just, I hated, I hated the Medtronic CGM. Um, I, so I've been on, I've been on the, you know, whatever version of Dexcom has been out ever since then we're on the, I'm right now looping with a G6, an old Medtronic legacy pump, which is the same pump that I met my husband through ironically. Right, so um, you met your husband through an insulin pump? Yeah, that's how we met. Um, I was in the Peace Corps when we met, and um, so nobody there knew what an insulin pump was or what diabetes was, really. That actually ended up being my project in the Peace Corps, was working with the Diabetes Association um, to help break the stigma around type 1 around there, ironically. And um, so he, I want to say I was walking into a building, and he was walking out. The story is always better when he tells it, for the record. Um, and I was, I think I was bolusing, and so I was. I was holding my pump and he looked at me and was like, Hey, nice insulin pump. And I was so excited because I was just like, I had just been fighting like why, you know, why diabetes needed to be something that was talked about. And like, then here there's, there's somebody that I already knew what it was. And I was like, how'd you know? And he pulled his insulin pump out, which was like the same one as mine. And we just never stopped talking after that. That's really cool. And oh wow, I, isn't that sweet and simple and easy? And you're nowhere near home, and and that still happens. And you guys, how long have you been together now? Um, we. I know we I'm taking a risk asking you a date-related no, question. I, I know this one. Wow. <laughs> we've been married seven years, but we've basically been together for nine. Okay, oh, that's really sweet. That's excellent. So you you said you said a couple of things that that I'm gonna like circle back around on. So. At one point, can you, so I guess like to start, tell me a little bit about your, your background. So tell me again, where you grew up and. A loaded question. Yeah. Um, I was born here in Orange, California. Mm -hmm. 
I moved back to Pakistan, which is where my parents are originally from, when I was seven or eight. Right. I want to say eight. And um, we lived there for about five years. We'd moved back to be closer to my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And then my dad's job moved Kuwait, where we lived for another five years, or at least I did. Okay. Then I graduated from high school, moved to D.C. for college left for the Peace Corps, and then finally moved back here to California. Okay. And can I ask like, what ethnic background your parents are? And I have a reason for asking if you'll, if you'll go with Pakistani. me. First. They're, they're Pakistani? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So how much of, like, so it's interesting you said that because I live in a community that is, um, th- there's a fair amount of Indians and, and Pakistanis near nearby. And when you said your your father was like, this is the newest, this is the best, we should use this. That struck me very much to be in sort of the way a lot of my friends think who are have have that background. And mm-hmm. I, I was wondering if that's something, like was it just around diabetes or was it, was your dad, is your dad sort of like he's, that to begin with? He's an engineer by background. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's all about, like technology is his thing. Um, he always, I mean, he he's always got, he works in telecommunications uh, now, or he did. He's kind of switched around what he's done. So he's always been like the newer phone and this is the newer, you know, whatever technology is there. That's what he's always been excited about. And he's always been in that field. So for him, tech is kind of like a thing. And it was something he felt like he had control over and how he could help. Um, so, and so, yeah. and so also then kind of staying in the thought for a second, you talked about stigma around diabetes that's also something I'm now seeing it's um, in the Indian community, but with type two. So um, a lot of, um, a lot of Indians are sort of developing type two as they get older, but none of them really appear to talk about it too much. And, and they are really hesitant to move away from kind of cultural foods that I think they know they shouldn't be eating. Right. That they just sort of, it's this very, they're so proud of their culture that it's just like, look, this is what I eat. And so I see it's not good for my blood sugar, but you know, if I got to go down with the ship, it's very reminiscent of, of type two in the South really in like the seventies and eighties where like we drink, you know, I drink tea with sugar in it and that's what I do. And like, so it's, it's like how I grew up and it's hard to break away from. Um, It's hard to break habits. And I always feel bad for people that are diagnosed later in life, whether it's, you know, adult onset type one or type two, because, um, as, as hard as childhood diabetes is, it's easier to change habits mm-hmm. earlier on, yeah. um, versus like, this is how you've lived your entire life. Now do things differently. Yeah. I, I mean, I brought it up because I imagine that, you know, you don't have to be from Pakistan to have something about the way you grew up that influences how you think or how you mm-hmm. won't change or, you know what I mean? Like there's, everyone's got something culturally that they are, you know, attached to and don't want to get away from. And it's just, I don't know. I want for everyone listening to realize that, that it's cool to want to do what you want to do. But at the same time, if what, if what you've been taught or what you've grown up with is moving you in a bad direction, then you need to get away from it. You need to do what, you know, Cyrus' the husband does. It's just, he's like, I don't care. <laughs> he's like, you know, I'm talking to you. My blood sugar's low. That's over now. Now I'm doing what I need to do. I think that what you need to do is the most important thing. 
And uh, I, I talk to too many people who have the, you know, the situation that you described, where it's like, I wouldn't treat my low if I was in the middle of a conversation with somebody. And for whatever reason, I just, I don't know. I, I just really want people to be more focused on themselves first and not care so much about what other people think. Because like I always say, like this, that person that's hassling you, they, they're not going to be around. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not like, it's not like they're your, your spouse or, you know, chained mm-hmm. to your arm. Like you can just walk away from them. Um, it's, yeah. you know, tougher when you're a kid and you're trapped in a school with them, but in a real world situation, you're in charge. You know what I mean? So be in charge. Yeah. But when you, when you're a kid, kids can be cruel. So like it's, um, I think that's part of why I might overthink a little bit, like how I, how I like make type one normal for Isla. Um, I know my husband didn't have that experience, but like for me, it was like, I was made fun of for a bunch of different reasons. Um, and so I, and I've already noticed like certain interactions that I was had where um, I remember there was this mom on a playground at this like co-op that we were going to. And she had one of those massive bags of like, those like grandma's cookies or something that are sugar laden and just, yeah. you know, from a, they were just awful. I don't even know how many carbs are. That wasn't the point. And she was like, um, handing them out to all the kids and Isla's blood sugar just happened to be really high. I'm never like, I'm going to restrict what you, what you eat. But if you're like 267 double arrows up and you already just ate a snack, there's no need for you to eat that. Kind it's of not thing. cookie time. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and so this grandma was like handing them out to everybody and she, Isla just, she's not the type of kid to take food from, from somebody. So this, this grandma was like holding it out and she's like, take it, take it sweetheart. And she kept pushing. And then finally I was like, you know what? She really doesn't need that. Like, She's got type one diabetes and it's fine. Just, you know, stop pushing it on my kid yeah. basically. And, um, then she just like took them away and made a point of being like, to like all the other kids like, okay, here I have it. But then she'd look at Island and be like, but not you, sweetheart. These aren't for you. And it was like, really? Was that necessary woman? Like just single my child out and make her feel bad. Um, and now she wants the cookies obviously because someone's telling her she can't have it. Yeah. Yeah, wait, like, there are so many stupid people. I, I, I wish that could be the episode title of almost every episode <laughs> we do. It just, there are just so many stupid people and you're going to bump into them, especially when you bring them into your world like that, where, because look, look what you were doing. You're like, look, she's got diabetes, leave her alone. Like, like, you know, you're trying to give her the reason. I'm not being rude to you about the cookie. There's a real good reason here why she's, we're not going to take the cookie from you. Thank you anyway. And then her, uh, her idea of how to make it better just makes it like seven times worse. It's really fascinating. And and at the same time, yeah. so incredibly expected. So <laughs> I just, yeah. there's nowhere to run. Sometimes I'll say to my wife, I'm like, we need to move. And she's like, to where? And I went, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> it's like, where are we going yeah. to run to exactly? But on the other hand, we've also had, you know, times where I was like on the playground or in like a swimming pool or something and a kid will point at her pod and be like, what's that? And she's like, that's my pod. Where's yours? Right. And like to her, that's just, yeah. everyone has one? Yeah. yeah well, um, I mean, she, she knows that like she has diabetes and, and not everyone does, but she also knows that it's normal to have it. So like, I don't know, there's a balance trying to find it. Interview me in 10 years and interview her and see if I did an okay job. Isn't that funny? That's what there's something about the podcast that makes me feel like I have to go on forever and double back and start (laughs) and talk to everybody again a second time, like a decade later, Um, which that's now my idea that someone else on another podcast is going to steal. But that's fine. So I um, but I think that um, we don't do that often enough. Like my son and I were 
in the car the other day and the baseball draft was happening and they took some kid out of high school and I said, I really wish they would just like keep up with that person. Like I want to know what happens next because you know, more often than not, what's going to happen is they're, you know, they're drafting a kid out of high school. He's going to go off and not be able to do it or fail or get hurt. It's just very likely statistically that he won't play baseball for much longer. But the part that young kids hear is, Oh, that guy got drafted. And that seems like the win. You, you know what I mean? Like, and we never go back and follow up with people. And that's probably where the more interesting stories are, but you need to know the first part of the story to know the second part. And, um, I, I did, I don't know if you heard me one time, but I interviewed a younger, a younger girl, like she was like 10 or 11 years old. And I said, I think I'm going to have you back on every year for as long as I do this, just to see how your life has changed. Um, I think there's something incredibly interesting about that. So don't, don't laugh. Maybe I will have you back on when, when your daughter's older, say you can come back on and tell us how she's a stripper and Uh, and, and you, Oh God, no. I'm not even ready for kindergarten. So. <laughs> well, listen, it doesn't matter. I'm paying for college right now. You're going to be broke and destitute by oh. that anyway. It won't really matter. Um, it's very, very expensive. Um, I always tell and people. College and diabetes supplies. Just, just Oh, yeah, yeah. Between insulin and college. Forget I'm, retirement. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming you guys uh, should have six jobs. Um, <laughs> how, 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 so you've said a, a couple of interesting things about like you were in the Peace Corps. Was your husband in the Peace Corps too when you met? No, he works in um, he works in construction, so he happened to be working on a project down there. I see. And and are you? Has your whole life sort of gone in that direction, like doing things for other people? That's what I chose uh, my career path initially. Um, I in high school thought I wanted to join the United Nations, um, and so yeah, Peace Corps was like the first thing that I wanted to do. I worked in the nonprofit space for quite a while, um, and. Right now, for the most part, my, my full-time job is being a mom, but I serve on the board for a couple of organizations um, and do most of my charity stuff through volunteer work instead, because um, parenting a type one kid this young and then just a two and four-year-old is a lot of work. I know you've been stay-at-home dad for long longer time. than I've been doing the mom thing. Mm-hmm. It's hard. <laughs> it, it's in, if, oh my God, I, the people I, wouldn't, I people wouldn't like, believe it, I think, that don't do it, but... Yeah, I uh, I haven't heard the television on uh, while the sun's been up in like since the last space shuttle went up. <laughs> that literally is the last time I turned on a television during the day. I thought to myself, I should probably watch the space shuttle launch. So go back to however long ago that was. That's the last time I turned on a TV during the day. Um, so let me let me kind of dive into some other ideas here for a second. So just very quickly, it doesn't sound like it, but I want to see. Are you and your husband involved in each other's management at all? Do you ever like bounce ideas off of each other or does it stay fairly separate? Yeah, um, we, we are. So I think I'm convincing him to switch over to loop on the 670G right now. And he's seen like how great it's been for me and Alan. And he just is not a fan of the, the Medtronic sensor. We've had enough failures with it. Um, and he's he's been on Duckcom himself before, so um, he wants to go back to that. So that's probably the extent. I've I've been hands off since he went on the 670G because I just I don't know that system very well. Okay. Um, and I don't really know how to use it. I've you know I put him in touch with friends who are on it and had you know in that way. Um, but when we've analyzed like what it is about that system that 
you know, makes it work the way it does for him. And we've, we've talked about it as much as I can without having actual experience with it. And most of our, you know, my, my help in managing his would be like a reminder to pre-bolus or like telling him how many carbs we're eating and reminding him like, Hey, there's a lot of fat in that one. But the 670G doesn't know how to do that. It doesn't know how to extend a bolus. So instead it's like, Hey, remember there's a lot of fat in that might want to add another 10 carbs in right now, like an hour later, kind of a thing. Um, I don't have to do that for myself because I'll just put it into loop and uh, same for Isla. But it, it, a lot of it was teaching him. He So when he switched to the six energy and I switched to loop, which is around the same time, about like a year and a half ago, um, we both kind of became a little more hands off because what we both noticed was that when either I was doing well with diabetes or he was like Isla wasn't. So it was kind of like, there was only so much headspace we had for type one. And so that's why we, we made those decisions where it was like, we need something else to manage our diabetes so we can focus on her. And um, so that's what, that's what we chose. He chose the 670G and I, I chose loop and um, we kind of like stopped thinking about our, our own diabetes for um, a little bit because we were able, we were able to do that. Something else was kind of handling it for us. Yeah. And then and you could look to her and try to figure then out. We were able to, yeah. And then we were able to kind of take care of her a little bit better. Um, and then when the Omnipod loop became available, it was like a no brainer because I'd already been doing it myself for a year. Um, that I was like, that's definitely what I want to do with her. And it wasn't like, in all honesty, usually it's like, you know, we would have like, these conversations about what we think makes sense for her but it was one of those cases where I was like, this is what we're doing and you're going to get on board with it. And he, he was totally fine with it. Obviously if it hadn't gone well, we would have, would have switched back, but, um, but it has. And um, I think that's probably the, the other thing is that he's kind of left a lot of those decisions to me. Like I'm the one that, that decided to get the Omnipod for her and like fight with insurance because they didn't cover the Omnipod. And I was like, I, I don't want to put tubing on my, on my two year old. I'm sorry. And, um, like he's kind of left that part to me and has, you know, just trust that I'm, I've done my, my research and know what's, what's best in that space. Cause he's, he's always been kind of like, this is what's working and I'm, you know, there's no need to mess with it. Um, so despite him having like, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent, I realized I'm listening, don't worry. him having been like the reason that I started taking care of myself, um, like before me, his A1Cs were like seven and a half and eight. And I honestly usually hate talking about A1Cs because I feel like they're not a true testament to how well you're doing because it could be like a balance of a lot of highs and lows. Right. Um, but uh, his were his were usually like seven and a half, eight. And it wasn't till like I started taking care of myself and we I started getting more involved with him um, that he brought his down to like 6.5, like between six and 6.5. Um, and with um i guess i kind of lost track of where i was no, going where, that, well, yeah. well let me ask you then so when he was more like seven and a half and eight where were you oh i mean before i met him i was like in the 12 i was but remember i wasn't taking care of myself no, no like, sure whatever um i i was probably once i started taking care of myself was in the sevens, but it wasn't until we tried to, we started getting, you know, wanting to get pregnant. I had been, I'd been like in the 6.5 sevens pre wanting to, to get pregnant. And then after, um, honestly, I think what changed my mind a lot about my diabetes management was the, um, 
the endocrinologist, the high-risk endocrinologist I had the second time around with Inara, um, he was just amazing. He was basically like, you're, I know you're familiar with Loop, so yeah. imagine everything that Loop does, he would do for me like every week. I would meet with him every week and he would change all the numbers. He'd like sit there and analyze every graph on my clarity, on my, on my pump and look at everything and change literally like every hour of my basils and my carb ratios and everything and just send me home and it would fix whatever was going wrong. And my UNCs have never been better. I was, I think I was, I was six when I was pregnant, which is really amazing to have all these hormones and like still be that good. Um, and that was what made me like change how I thought about how I manage things. It wasn't like, oh, you're not trying hard enough. It was like, I need somebody to look at the math and tell me like what does and doesn't work. Um, and like the first, the first high risk window I had with Isla was like, it literally made me cry a couple of times because it was like, you need to eat the exact same thing every day and eat the exact number of carbs that it says on this stupid little sheet that says how much nutrition you're supposed to have. And I was like, that that's an insane amount of food. I'm not going to eat that much. Um, like a whole, it was a really bad story with, with my pregnancy with Isla. But um, yeah, that was what made me really, really change how I thought about like managing type one. And that kind of set me on that trajectory of like being better. And my A1Cs have been under six since then. That's amazing. So, That's really cool. Yeah. And, and Isla's is a work in progress or going well, or how was it? She's it's, looping I mean, now, for, I guess. So we haven't, she's only been looping for a little bit, so we haven't actually analyzed her, um, her numbers. Yeah. Um, but she was a, cause we did the Jabe study with loop. And so she was a 6.4 last we checked. Wow. I think is amazing for that a four year old who doesn't eat what you tell her to. And, um, or when you tell her to probably. when you're not looking, uh, yeah. How were you doing prior to like prior to that? Like, do you listen to this podcast? Like, were you doing like the stuff we talk about here, or no? I do listen to the podcast. Um, can I be really honest? Yeah. I hated you in the beginning. Oh, I love that. That's great. Go ahead, tell um, me why. I could not stand you because I think the first podcast I listened was the one where you interviewed. Um, I can't remember her name. I want to say um, Chloe or not. The girl with the diabetic alert dog. Oh. Um, okay. Ellie, Ellie and Coach, her mom. Oh, and I talked to her and, mom. Right. Yeah. And um, I felt like you were, you, you kept saying like, you would never get a diabetic alert dog. And here I was listening for the first time and I have an alert dog. I was like, <laughs> Sorry. I doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not in my shoes. Don't tell me that's the wrong. Like, that's how I, like, I, I got defensive. I was like, guys, like. He doesn't know what he's talking about. My type, you know, the way we manage it is totally different. I, and that's how I felt. It was like, I felt like you were saying like you do things a certain way and that's like the only way to do it. Gotcha. And that was my like reaction. That was just. No, no, please. I, I remember doing that interview and actually feeling weird about doing it. She had approached me about being on and oh. I was at a spot where I was like, I don't like, I don't get the alert dog thing. Like I just didn't get it. So I was like, well, let her come on and I'll tell her I don't get it. And she can talk me out of it and, and you know, or whatever, like let her, you know, tell us how it goes, the stuff I don't understand. And it was also yeah. earlier in the podcast too, right? Like, 
yeah. it was. So I was still getting better at it by ago. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's cool. So, but you stayed. Did you just want to like tune back in and be angry at me again? Is that what happened? It's funny. It's so funny because I like, I think that was the first one. And I was like yelling as I was listening. So I was like washing dishes and it was like on, um, <laughs> on the speakers and I was like yelling at you. And then um, I like, I think like a week later I was listening to another one and I was yelling at you again. And my husband was like, why are you still listening to this guy if you hate him so much? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> it was like, I just, I kept listening. Um, and then, yeah, I eventually just like learned your personality and I was like, yeah, I bet you this is what's going to say. I'm going to like get my blood's going to boil for a bit, but it, I'll, I don't yell anymore. That's so nice. This is a very uh, interesting difference between our like you just you live in California in you know, like this place where people are just so nice to everybody all the time and I just I don't know and then there's me yeah yeah I just don't I'm not that nice and so uh, I mean I I'm not not nice I just don't have the ability to talk around things I don't know what that means exactly like the, my wife's like you know there's a nicer way to say that and I think yeah yeah but it takes up so many words and then you know like <laughs> like, like let's get to the point um but i appreciate that you're still listening i think it is an incredible testament that you really were yelling at me in your home and still listen to the podcast i would um i yeah. would accept that as a as a beautiful review and thank you very much and then, <laughs> in the beginning it was like oh, i can't stand him but these people that he's interviewing like that that's what kept me because it was like i want to hear what this woman has to say or i want to hear you know whatever it was that you were um that you were talking about that day. And then eventually it, I just, I, I honestly are. haven't listened to all of them because I have kids that dictate what we listen to of in this house. Um, but I do wish, and I know that other people have asked you this as well, that there was a way to like search by topic. Yeah. Like I, when I'm in the podcast app to be like, Oh, let's see. I bet Scott has interviewed somebody about this. It's tough because the, the, the podcast, um, the way app, well, the way they all have it set up, it's not that searchable. Um, mm -hmm. I understand there's going to be an update to it that'll be out by the time this, us, uh, our conversation goes up, that it's going to make them more searchable. It's tough too, because I very much like the conversations to be kind of unwielding and just kind of keep going. Like you're talking on the phone with somebody. So like, like, here's an example. Tell me right now. If we were going to put it into a description, what's your interview been about? Um, uh, it's not that easy, is it? I, I mean, for me, usually it's like when whenever I've talked to anybody, it's like, oh, the type one times three, like T1D times three family. Right. That's usually like the description anybody uses. Like, oh, here's someone living with them, multiple capacities, because that is kind of like we've talked about me and my husband and Isla. So I guess that's kind of what it would be. You and I talked here's what you spoke about in my memory right now, right? This is how I think about it. You and your husband and your daughter have type one. Great. Your mom, you know, had some influence that you weren't thrilled about. You met people at school that pushed you away. Um, they may have very well caused you to hide your diabetes. Uh, you met a person who helped you to bring it out because they were more open about it. You really started taking care of yourself better when you decided to get pregnant. You've moved into different tech. Like, so I don't know how to, I don't know how to quantify <laughs> that. Right, right. And I don't want, and here's my concern is I think you said a dozen really valuable things in the last hour. And if I pick one of them and tell somebody that's what the podcast is about and they are not interested in that, then they're not going to hear the other 11 things you said. And that's okay. my, that's why I make the podcast descriptions vague. Because I figure you'll get in there and try to find out what it is to you. 
Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, and, and if I said to you, this week is about red and next week's about blue and next week's about yellow, I'd get bored with that and I wouldn't listen. So I don't know. It's just my brain's broken a little bit, I think, and I'm in charge. So this is what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Totally fine. It works. Like I said, it's only sometimes where I'm like, Hey, I wonder if he's already talked about this. Oh no, I hear you. I, I, and I, um, I do honestly, I mean, being a hundred percent serious, I wish there was a better way. And I'm hoping that what Apple's about to implement might help that because apparently they're going to index all of the words spoken in the podcast and make the, make the text searchable somehow. I don't know. What okay, that sounds like it's going to complicate it to the level of like needing to know SEO for podcasts. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. mad genius is going to either get that right or screw it up, but I'm interested to see what's going to happen. So, um, but one way or the other, you're saying that the frozen urine of diabetes was not a good title for an episode. <laughs> mm, I mean, kind of made me gag a little. <laughs> That's great. All right. Listen, is there anything we haven't spoken about that you wanted to? Um, on my notes. <laughs> trying to think. One day I'm going to make notes, but not today. Although I did write something down. Um, I wrote down T1 sibling interview because you said something earlier that made me think it might be really interesting to talk to an incredibly open person who grew up with a person with diabetes and didn't have it. That would be really nice because yeah. that's the perspective I'd be really interested in, yep. in hearing. Um, I was going to say, so I listened to your interview with Amy from Omnipod the other day or from Insulet, mm-hmm. um, and she said something about um, like, you know, she has a unique experience speaking to other, you know, adults with type one and most people don't have that. And how like she specifically said you can never be both. And I like I like stuck my hand up in the air as I was driving and was like, Yes, yes, you can. You can like understand being a parent of type one and also having it yourself. Um, and the one thing I like to tell any parents that I meet with kids that have type one who obviously don't, you know, they don't know what it's like to have type one themselves, um, is that being the parent is much harder than being the one with type one. So like having lived with it all my life, um, was not half as big of a deal as it was when she was diagnosed. So like what you're going through is way harder than what Arden's going through okay. in my opinion. Well, that's good to know. And I usually makes people feel better. Yeah, no, that's definitely good. I can see that I a hundred percent can see it. Um, from that perspective and you have obviously a unique perspective being a person who has it and is now the parent of someone with it. So I'm going to take your word for it. I, uh, and it absolutely makes sense to me that whatever a person's going through is just sort of normal for them, you know, and that's gotta be the hope a little bit, right? That, yeah, I have diabetes, but it's my situation and you know, I'm okay. It's going okay. Like you're, I, I love the way you describe how your husband talks about it. Just like, this is what it is and this is what I do. And you know, that's it. I don't know if that's like a man thing. Cause my dad was very similar. It was basically like, I remember my mom would tell like my sister or my cousins or whatever to like eat ice cream in the other room or something like that. And my dad would be like, no, why should anyone else do things differently? Like she's just going to have to learn to deal with it. Um, don't make other people do things different around her. And my husband's kind of the same. He's like, it is what it is. Um, Cause like he cried when she was diagnosed and that's about it. He's never been upset outside of that. And mm-hmm. I like, I'm the one that gets emotional over like hard sight changes or blood draws or whatever. 
and or random um, guys on the internet that you don't agree with. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um you're not random anymore though. <laughs> Thank you. And um he, he's just like, Yeah, it's hard, but I can't do anything about it, so why get upset about it? That's his attitude. He's like, If I can't change it, I'm not gonna dwell on it. Yeah. I, I feel like and we I, talked about that with Amy because you brought up Amy from Insulet. I feel like I talked mm-hmm. about that with her. Like there is just sort of a a guy perspective sometimes where it's like, this is what it is. Let's just keep going. Who cares? And, yeah. you know, and maybe that's a, a defense mechanism where you don't want to deal with how you feel about things. And maybe it's a survival instinct. You know, I have no idea. I think it's a thing where men feel like, they, and I'm totally generalizing here, but that men usually feel like they need to fix things. And if they can't fix it, then it's either not broken or it's just we're going to ignore it. Yeah, we're not that bright. I hear what you're saying. (laughs) But, you know, you can't make babies without us. So guess what? You're stuck. (laughs) 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 Uh, No, that's incredibly valuable. I can't wait for someone uh, a year from now to come on to tell me about the stuff that you said that they disagreed with. (laughs) So, and I'm sure it'll happen. Um, I think that that was my biggest issue with listening to the podcast in the beginning was it was like, I'm a really big proponent for your diabetes may vary. Um, there's a reason for like quite a while, all three of us were on completely different systems, different insulins, different CGMs, like everything was different um, because that's just what worked for us. Like Isla was on MDI and no sensor for a while and that worked for when it worked. You know, um, I just, I think the one thing I want people to know is that there's like no right way to do diabetes. It's like, you will figure out what works for you. And, um, yeah, it's not based off of necessarily what a doctor will tell you because they'll tell you what they know, but they might, they don't know you. They don't know how you live. They don't know what time you wake up or what time you sleep or what days you exercise or don't and how that impacts you. Like everything is different for every person. Um, so I think that's like the thing I want people to know is that every, everyone's different, not just like your basils are different, but like everything about your life is different than someone else's. And that unfortunately diabetes has like how many variables to what can impact your blood sugars. Right. Um, and, so there's no right way to do it. And so I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think that, um, but there are probably times where I, I come off like I'm saying, no, no, listen, it's just about how the insulin works and it doesn't matter. Like the other things don't matter. The other things do matter. They just don't quite, in my opinion, matter as much as understanding how the insulin works. And so I, this is a long conversation. This podcast is, it it has to be like, it's not just an hour or a week or a month or a day. Like in my opinion, you need to listen through all of them as best you can to hear one person say what you just said, and then hear another person say something different to find out that they both are having success or failure, you know, and it looks different. And how can I adjust? It's just, I just realized at one point that people's expectations of sharing online are from blogs. And in a blog post, you can start off by saying all that stuff. Your diabetes is going to be different than someone else's. And don't forget that this is dangerous and this is, you know, you don't want to do this first. No, you know, you know, somebody will say, you use a pre uh, attempt basal, but don't, don't suspend your insulin because then your pump won't shut out. All the, like, once you get done safetying all of your statements, A, no one's reading it anymore. And B, it's so incredibly long. It's not, it's not 
absorbable. So I just thought like, why don't I just say to myself, okay, there's going to be times I'm going to say something on the podcast and there's probably nine addendums to it. I should be adding, but I'm not going to, I'm going to just hope they listen next week when that comes up or that they heard it two weeks ago when I said it the last time, because, because I think that we just weren't pushing hard enough, like with the way people were writing about it, because I used to write about it the same way too. I was very careful about everything and measured. And what I can tell you for certain is that when I was just blogging, I would get a note every once in a while, every few days, maybe a couple times a month. Hey, the, the blog's really helping me. I appreciate it. I wanted to let you know. Those notes now come six to 10 times a day. So there's awesome. something about this that if you stick with it long enough, it'll get to you. And I don't know what it is, and I'm not even taking credit for it. I just, it was my idea, and it seems like it's working out more or less. And look, you hated me, and you still listen. So <laughs> I must have been onto something. And I just think that there's a bigger, there's a bigger thing to consider around all of this than what you can just maybe put into 300 words. And that you're going to have to resolve yourself to the fact that you're not going to learn it all in a day or in one sitting or in, you know, that kind of a thing. I don't know if any of that made sense or not, but it does. I mean, at the end of the day, your podcast is an opportunity for people to have like a diabetes community that doesn't involve just reading words because I think tone is lost a lot in, in text. Um, and having a view into conversations with people with type one, especially for the people that don't have a really big um, like diabetes community around them, I think is, is extremely valuable. Not everybody has, um, the ability to be a part of that for multiple reasons. It could be the time they have, it could be where they live, whatever it is. Um, and you are giving people that, that opportunity to be a part of something um, without having to leave the comfort of their home or their car or whatever it is. It's amazingly interesting to me when I, somebody will say to me, you know, what is the podcast about? I'm like, oh, it's about how to use insulin. And then someone will come up to me and tell me that for them, this podcast is a community that they didn't have otherwise. And I think, wow, that wasn't even my initial intention. But look, it ended up being that thing for that person. And mm -hmm. so whatever it ends up being for you, whether it's a community or a way of using insulin or somebody to yell at, whatever it is, it's like, <laughs> to me, it's great. You know, like if it does any of those things or other things for people, I'm happy about that. So anyway, I... I now I'm going to get emails from other people who are yelling at me in their house, but that's fine. I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry for giving people permission to yell at you. No, 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 please. I'm married. I'm okay with being yelled at. <laughs> I'm going to say goodbye because we've been at this for a long time. And then I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you, thank you privately when we're not being recorded. So thank you very right. much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Huge thanks to Dexcom, Omnipod, and Touch by Type 1 for sponsoring this, the 300th episode of the Juicebox Podcast. The Juicebox Podcast. The Juicebox Podcast. And thanks so much to Syra for coming on and telling the story of her family with Type 1 diabetes. It is not too often we're going to get someone who is the spouse of, someone living with, and the mother of, someone living with Type 1 diabetes. She's like the trifecta. She is the trifecta. Oh my God. Syrah is the trifecta. I just thought of the title for this episode.